Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Have you ever wanted to see us podcast live in person? Do you want to make sure that we're not just formless spirits floating around in the ether? Well, guess what? You've got a chance and it's coming up in less than a week. Absolutely. This is going to be our first See You on the Other Side live, live event. Oh, man. And we're starting them on St. Patrick's Day. Um, we got a special live event from Alton, Illinois, Mavis Coffee House, 6.30 p.m. Uh, it's totally free. And we're going to be hanging out. We're going to be interviewing Luke Nabarinsky, who's an Alton Hauntings expert. And then Wendy and I are going to be playing some acoustic songs for your listening pleasure. That's right. And then the very next day, Wednesday, March 18th, we'll be in Little Rock, Arkansas at the Rev Room. Mm. And we're going to be interviewing Linda Howell, who's a local expert on Little Rock, Arkansas history and hauntings. That's very exciting. I'm, I, I don't know very much about hauntings in the South, so that's, I'm excited to get this. Same here. Here's some. In fact, I'm shivering with anticipation. Yes. <laughs> so please stop by and join us, or if you know anyone in either of those cities, have them stop by, and we might even have a little gift for you if you, if you mention that you heard this. Awesome. We'll see you there. Bye. Mike, it is still light out. Yeah, it's 10 after 7. And it, it's just getting to be dusk now. So that's really something else. We leaped forward today or leapt, leapt forward today. <laughs> yes, I leapt forward today. And, you know, I was really excited about it because at around six o'clock, I was like, you know, it's fully bright out still. But then I realized at six o'clock tomorrow morning, it's yeah. going to be dark still. It's going to be dark. It was nice. I, was, I wake up at six every day. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. in my journey to become a morning person. Because ah, uh, I was a, I was a night person for so long, and I, I'm trying to become a mo- morning person instead. Because I think I can be more fresh, or be more useful, or, or be a, a better human by doing that. Um, well, good for you for the the self improvement uh, efforts. Thank you. I don't think I don't think it's worked, but <laughs> I do think that uh, that it, takes time. Sometimes I just <clears throat> I like I like it in early in the morning. I feel like I can get more done, and then I don't have sometimes late at night. Your head is just swimming, and you have all the crap from the day sitting in there. Sleep gunked up you just need to sleep yes yeah no you know you know that i'm a morning person and fond of waking up really really early and doing things like working out or you know just getting little bonus bonus tasks done in the morning but it was not an easy chore to get myself to do that so no well you know what our our friend martin atkins says i do he says he says get the blank out of bed and that's his that's his particular way. And he said, because he, yes. he, he wakes up at five o'clock in the morning every day. And he goes, if everybody else wakes up at um, 8 a.m. or starts to get to work at 8 a.m. or anything, by the end of the month, you will be 40 hours ahead of everybody right. else who wakes up uh, at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. Because you can get all those little bonus activities in before the normal day starts. And that, that's right. why I always kind of enjoyed working out in the morning mm-hmm. because I always felt like, as much as it sucked getting myself out of bed and out into the cold and to the gym, like once the workout was done and I left the gym, I, I'd feel like, you know, no matter what else happens today, I accomplished something good that I, I feel really good about. 
So I could leave the gym and then the rest of the day could be awful and it still have something right. chalk one in the wind column, I guess. <laughs> well, I like doing my, I like doing something like my physical challenge early in the day. Like if you think, if you get your hard workout or any kind of workout or anything physical done early in the day, I figure mm-hmm. the rest of the day, the hard stuff is just going to be head stuff. You know, it's just going to be stuff yeah. you got to think your way through or, and, and that's, well, that's not always easy either. No, it's not. But I feel that, you know, you can, you can force yourself to stay awake and work on something. You can, you know, you can, you can force your way through with your head and a lot of things. But if your body fails or you can't do something, like there's certain physical limitations you can't quite get over. Yeah, the machine needs to be operating. Right. In in working condition. (laughs) Yeah, you can think your way past writer's block. You can think your way past, you know, all these different things. But there's, if your body can't do it. Uh, you're, you have those physical limitations. So once you get past a physical challenge early in the morning, your hardest part of the day is done. That's true. That's true. That's that's a good good little uh, tip there. And you know, this self improvement <laughs> chat has been brought to you by. See you on the other side. Podcast. Making, it's fun though. Making your life better since 2014. Yeah, and if if you have any. Uh, helpful suggestions for us for these types of things. We're, we're kind of fans of working on ourselves. Personally, I know I have a lot of work to do to get to where I want to be and to do the things I want to do. So whatever <laughs> advice I can get from any kind of <laughs> absolutely self-help book or whatever. No, it's I'm all about to take it. It's all about trying to trying to get better in whatever you do. And, and I think that's important. And that's what we all that's we all struggle to do. So, yes, um, you know, We've been recording early lately too. The the producer that we work with in in the Milwaukee area, he likes to start at nine o'clock in the morning. He's yeah, he's, he, he's, he's probably really the only person in music that we have ever met that's like <laughs> up and at it. Like nine o'clock, he's like, we're going in and doing it, and yeah, we'll get there. He's like, yeah, I've been I've been mixing on this since six, and um, I've never met someone else in music who's like, let's let's get going early. It's yeah. it's always no. let's start recording around noon, and then we'll be done at like two a.m. And a lot of the recording studios, like the first place where we recorded our first album, they recorded during the non-business hours because the loud sounds would disrupt the businesses around the recording studio. So it was like, well, you know, the regular people work eight to five and then the recording studio works from 530 till 430 in the morning or whatever. When you're done. Yeah. So um, and plus musicians are just used to being up late and, you know, sleeping during the day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I when I think about though people that are working and, and guys that work in mixing and recording and stuff like that, they really do have one of the hardest, most thankless jobs yes. in the world because the bands are always pushing to finish and it's always, you know, the recording studio guy, the, the engineer yeah. is always at the mercy of that. And all, you know, they are. It, it's always working all night. It's always working to the last minute. And and also, I mean, a lot of the stuff they do is is thankless, like repetitive. I mean, it takes listening to the same thing over and over and over about a thousand times, the type of thing that would drive a normal person completely insane. And that's what they do regularly. Right. Bread and butter. <laughs> right. Their job is to do something that makes normal people completely insane. Right. Which I guess says something it's, about that says something about people that work in the music industry. Yeah. But it's quite a talent. So I respect the but this weekend we had fun we recorded some vocals we recorded some violins we recorded some bass um we got a lot done so our our new ep is like coming together very quickly and i'm excited about that yeah it really was fun in the studio yesterday and you know one of the songs that we worked on 
we actually debuted in the uh, third episode of See You on the Other Side. And that was our election day special about the Anunnaki, <laughs> the, the lizards, lizards that, that rule the world. world. Nice job on the unison there. <laughs> well done. And um, that track is called Hottie Illuminati. And that's what we kind of wanted to talk about today, give people a primer on the Illuminati. Because I think that more people have heard about uh, the Illuminati, the global elite, the conspiracy to rule the world now more than ever. This is true. It's a topic that's covered everywhere. I mean, just Google it once and it's... <laughs> right. Well, we would be entertained for hours. When we were doing research uh, for this particular episode, like there's stuff on Slate.com about the Illuminati, Rolling Stone. We'll talk about a Rolling Stone article uh, about the Illuminati in a little bit. And it just seems like um, it's all over the internet. So if you're wondering what the Illuminati is and uh, a little bit about what they're up to, um, the global elite plan. We're revealing the global elite plan for the human race yes. in this episode and today. That's right. And before we dive right into it, Mike, where can people go if they want to just find the links to the things we're talking about or they're curious, they want to reread something or, you know, maybe kind of see an outline of what we've covered? Oh, yeah. You, you're going to want to go to the show notes at othersidepodcast.com because that's a chance you can go. Th- that, that's for the deep research. Like if, you've, if we, we've whet your appetite <laughs> on, uh, you know, cons- conspiracy theories and, and the Illuminati, like the show notes are always the place where you can find more in-depth articles and right. we can, we provide for you the click hole where you can get lost for several hours in reading about <laughs> this stuff. Cause I have, like, I, I'll I just get as well. Yeah. I just, I'm like a Wikipedia addict. Oh my gosh. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And the things I read on Wikipedia, like I, I can sit there and just look, I wonder about the Incredible Hulk in the 1960s. And let's just look at The Incredible Hulk for a while. And then I'm reading about The Incredible Hulk for like two hours. And I'm like, why did I just read about The Like I could have read a com- you know, so I could have read funny. 50 comic books, but instead I just read about the history of a character. Right. Well, you know, I'm sure if it, if it interested you and it occupied your time, yeah. what the heck, why not? Well, I'm a, you know, the original um, definition of the word geek. So we always laugh about the term geek, but where does it come from? It, it's from... Um, freak shows and so freak shows would have a geek and a geek would eat anything so uh a geek is someone who would who's hungry for any information about a topic and so i've always been that kind like a a geek like my mother would have books about uh tv shows and music and everything like that because she was always into trivia so she was always doing trivia contests and she'd have these um, ah, that's where you get it from. She'd have these source books that she would just get out of the library and just leave the source books hanging around the house. And then she would read them uh, when she was looking to be, you know, a trivia contest and she would use them as reference books. Okay. But then I would just read that while I was watching TV as a little kid. <gasps> oh, that explains it. You guys, if you ever have to play Trivial Pursuit, get on Mike's team if you can. Don't be on any team opposing him. I'm not as good as I used to be. I don't know, because man. Because my topics are too esoteric now. There's no trivia, like, <laughs> there's no like conspiracy theory trivial trivial pursuit. You know, they have Disney trivial pursuit. They have Star Wars trivial true, pursuit. True, true. But they don't have but, things on like Bigfoot in the 1970s trivial pursuit. Unfortunately. But like the the general, uh, you know, like the general trivia games when you go to a bar or something like that. Mike will totally kill. Like, if you have him on on your team, you will win. The only thing I'd say you're the only area where you're lacking, which me too, is the um, sports. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But even that you probably know more than I do. Yeah. Well, sports. I mean, I can tell you about the 1982 Brewers 
and I can tell you about the 1997 Green Bay Packers, and that's really about it. That's, that's you know, like when Wisconsin had championship teams, I, I knew about it. But all the other little pieces of the trivia pie you got, so you're, you're good. You, that compensates for the lack of the sports one. I have so. my moments, especially on uh, arts and literature and, uh, you know, entertainment. So anyway, the Illuminati is what we're talking about today. And, you know, yes, let's get into it. Yeah, because people are, you know, they, they talk about our pop stars being as part of this conspiracy, obviously, anybody in the government. And I'm finding um, when I'm going on Twitter and meeting people and talking about paranormal stuff and everything that uh, people are really into conspiracy theories. People are, I mean, they like ah. it's a it's alive. It is alive on the internet. It's alive on Twitter. Like the retweets and the people, you know, they, they find the obscure symbolism in music videos and everything. It's, it's pretty exceptional. Okay. And the fact that the Illuminati was a secret society created on May 1st, 1776. Whoa, that's a long time ago. Right. So we're talking about an organization that was a real organization in Bavaria. In the uh, 18th century, in the latter, in the last quarter of the 18th century, and so there was a guy named Adam Weishaupt, and he, what he was interested in doing was he was trying to find ways to oppose superstition and religious influence over public life and state power at the end of the 18th century. And so, in their in their general statement for what the society was, they said they wanted to put an end to the machinations of the purveyors of injustice to control them without dominating them. So they created this secret society in Germany to oppose the church's influence on the government. Wow. Okay. So that that's kind of where it that's kind of where it came from. And so that's that the origin. Yeah, and actually the Illuminati didn't last very long. So like the original group um was disbanded in just a few years. You know, they formed to try to have uh, more non-religious influence on government, but the name stuck. And the thoughts and what they were trying to do stuck through through time. Do you know why they dispersed? Well, I think uh, there was some internal conflict. I see. And they attempted to expand, and there were some conferences that didn't go well. And um, the government of Bavaria in the, like, 19, I'm sorry, 1777, he banned all secret societies, including the Illuminati. Okay, so it was a dangerous thing to be a part of. Yes. Gotcha. And so it just, it kind of disbanded because uh, the government put a kibosh on it. Okay. Kind of like the Pirate Bay. It's a fair reason to disband, I guess. Yeah. But the thing is, we still have had secret societies exist over time. You know, there's things like the Freemasons. And a lot of, and we'll have a whole episode on, on Freemasonry and the fact that so many of our um, leaders have been Freemasons, you know. So interesting. It's just strange to me. <laughs> right. And I, uh, I watched a really, good, a really good show on Freemasonry once. And it, and it really came down to the fact that when people left the farm, you know, when our society moved from agrarian, agrarian, sorry, agrarian, that's not even a thing. Uh, you can add a little extra syllable <laughs> sure. now and then. It's okay. <laughs> agrarian to more of an industrial society, men left the home. So fathers weren't hanging around their kids all day. Their kids were going off to be educated by the state. And, you know, not just uh, rich people who would send their kids off to schools. It was every family, you know, especially in the United States, you think about, and we've had mandated state education since day one. That was part, right. that was part, of, the, you know, part of the Constitution. So people were being 
raised by people other than their parents. And so you kind of missed some of that male bonding between the father and son. So secret societies were just, you know, it's just guys love to form groups, love to form brotherhood, brothers. (laughs) Right. You always like to feel you're part of a group. It's just part of the human condition. And these secret societies gave people something special to join. Now, I'm not. What about the women? Well, women can be Freemasons and stuff now. You know, yeah, yeah. There, there was still some rampant sexism. Go- not that there's not rampant sexism. Yeah, right. Of course, no. This was this but, was this was during the time when yeah, that was not uncommon. Yeah, and also, you know, women are more oriented, or you know, at the time and everything, they had that special bond with their children, and so women were staying at home with the children too, and men just did not have those kind of bonds, and so they, you know, unless you were in the army or something like that. Um, you would get those, a lot of people got those bonds in those secret societies. So the thing is, the Freemasons, they continued on. They went on, you know, these different secret societies, there's a skull and bone society at Yale and things like that. Fraternities that we have at our modern universities, all this kind of stuff, these societies exist. And a lot of our powerful, uh, you know, the people that are in power, like we said, secret societies at things like Yale, where plenty of our leaders go to school, the Ivy Leagues and things like that, they are products of these societies. Right. And so anytime you have a society with secret rituals and things like that, people are going to think there's a conspiracy behind it. And, okay. you know, they're, they're, and that's just, you know, you tend to give jobs. I mean, nepotism exists not just with the family, but with people you have bonds to. You know, think about in the music world how many times that, you know, shows get booked because they're friends with the booker. Oh, yeah. No, you know? absolutely. And business is the same way, too. I'm going to buy this product from you as opposed to from someone else because you're my buddy. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I mean, half the time, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or people just like to work with people that they know and everything. Yeah. But, but sure. these secret, you know, these secret societies continue to exist. And when you get into the aftermath of World War I, so World War I obviously is horrible. I mean, nobody's seen a war like it. Um, if you haven't listened to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History series of podcasts on World War One. It's, it's like three and a half hours of podcasts that go through each year of the war. Oh, yeah. I just did the Wrath of the Cons. I got through that. Oh, that's a good one. But I haven't done the World War One yet, so. And he's, to... he's been working on, like, he's been on World War One for like two years now. Wow. So when did it come out? Um, well, he just had a new one come out in December. Wow, okay. And so that's a, that's a good one. But since it takes four hours to get through each one, like, it'll take me like two weeks to listen sure to them, I don't listen you know because I um you don't speed listen to him no I, I can hardcore history is such a joy I consider hardcore history like that's like you want to take your time that's my good time podcast even though it's world war one and it's not a good time at all but <laughs> right like that's I listen to that to relax okay and uh to each his own yeah so I I just really suggest that if you but the world war one is such a horrible thing it affected so many people they call it the war to end all wars never in human history before have we had that kind of destruction? You know, not even with the not even with the um, Mongols. Well, the Mongols did a lot of bad things, but they didn't have tanks. <laughs> okay, fair enough. They didn't yeah, have tanks, and they didn't have mustard gas. Oof. You know, um, and, and trenches and all this warfare. And you know, when you we were talking about the 18th century before, and so in Europe, when you had professional soldiers and everything, like the regular farmer or whatever wasn't just conscripted to go off to war. And in World War I, total, you had total war. You know, so Germany was 
they were bringing in everybody, you know, so their war machine was every German, you know, was, was wow. contributing to the war effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just never had armies that big fighting each other before. You know, you had more, you had more people die in one day yeah. in some of these battles and died in the Revolutionary War in any of these hundred years war, you wow. know, things that had gone sure. in, in history. So, so how, how does this relate back to the Illuminati? Well, please, because what happens after World War One is that we form the League of Nations. Woodrow Wilson. Aha. So now there is a organization dedicated to policing the world because nobody wants to go back to that type of war state again. Right, and so they're they're trying to do that. And so the League of Nations is that's that's the first that that's the beginning. And a lot of people are like, well, that's when, that, that's also the era, like 1912 is when the federal income tax came about. So if you're the kind of person that, you know, doesn't like the federal <laughs> government, that whole era of the beginning part, the whole era of the, the beginning part of the 20th century is horrible for you. Because that's when people sudden, start getting, getting surly. <laughs> yeah, we're getting closer to the one world government. All of a sudden, somebody else has their hand in your pocket and people are upset about it. Okay. And then World War II happens and we have weapons that are capable of destroying populations in a minute. So, you know, Hiroshima, 50,000 people died in a matter of seconds. And that kind of destruction would lead people to want some kind of order where those kind of things don't happen again. And then we have the United Nations get formed out of that and, and things. And that's when also that, that era of the Cold War after the uh, Second World War is where we start getting more of the modern conspiracy theories about the Illuminati. Take uh, the John Birch Society in the 1950s. Now, the, okay. John, the John Birch Society... Um, Who's John Birch? Uh, well, John Birch was a guy that hated communism. Okay. So the John Birch Society is totally against communism because communism represents the antithesis of the United States. It also represents an atheistic government. Soviet Union and China and everything are officially atheist governments. There's no in okay. God we trust on their money. Oh, I so see. if okay. you believe in your God and country and things like that, then a communist government where they redistribute the wealth and they take any kind of religion out of the equation, that's going to be completely the opposite of what you want. And so the John Birch Society uh, is, and the Red Scare and all these things were scared of communists in the 1950s. They're wary of this new world order that is going to have one world government controlling all of us. So instead of the U.S. and the Soviet Union, it's going to be the United Nations who are calling the shots. And they th- just think that it's going to be, we're going to lose our freedoms and uh, also that we're going to get religion taken away from us. And that also, it's a bunch of brainy, elite, educated liberals who think they know what's best for everybody. Okay. And so, you know, they, people talk about the nanny state under the one world government. They'd be afraid that the nanny state would be crazy, you know, whether mm. it's, it's not just, so then it's not just smoking in bars. It's how much sugar you can, you know, how much sugar you can, you consume. It's, it's not being able to get any, uh, any soft drinks larger than 20 ounces in New York sure, City yeah. anymore. Okay. You know, it's all these things. And I, I mean, coming. everybody has differing opinions. So it's like, if you're going to incorporate a, a population as large as, the entire world, then of course you're going to have more right. opinions and more, you know, disagreements. <laughs> and so, you know, the John Birch Society was against the New World Order because they thought it would usher in a world communistic atheistic government. And um, 
that kind of started to get worse. As, as far as the worries about it started to get worse when you start getting into the 1980s and 90s. You know, uh, so in, in 19, the 1980s, we have The Watchmen, which was a, um, a comic book by Alan Moore. And uh, I mean, The Watchmen is it's, it's really it, what, it's what brought comic books kind of into the adult world. And I don't mean mm. like adult, like adult store novelties and things like that. I mean, adults as in comic books just aren't for kids. Yeah, it's, it's a graphic novel. It's not a comic book. Exactly. And that's the Watchmen is the first graphic novel. Like Time I Magazine see. says that all of a sudden Time Magazine says it's one of the most important books of the year. Things, cool. like, things like that. And um, I'm going to... So don't listen for the next one minute if you haven't, you know, uh, read if the Watchmen. don't want to familiar, If you don't be spoiled. But, you know, the end of the Watchmen is all about this super... One of the superheroes in the Watchmen is super intelligent. And he's super rich and super intelligent, and he wants to eliminate wars in the world. So what he does is he manufactures an alien threat that destroys New York City. So millions millions of people die, but Uh. it brings together the world in peace. You know, and and that's that's not even that outrageous. Uh, You know, I mean, that's just a comic book. But in 1987. President Ronald Reagan speaking before the United Nations. And he says, perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. So you have the president of the United States talking about exactly what the end of the watchman is. Yeah, that's a little crazy. Right. So. I mean, that's, that's weird in, in, its, in its own way. Um, and then in 1990, at the end of the Cold War, uh, George H.W. Bush, in a speech, mentions in his discussion about how we don't, you know, we don't have to be afraid of the Soviet Union anymore, he talks about the New World Order. He says it right up, that there is a New <laughs> World Order. So He uses those very words. Yeah, so if you're a conspiracy theorist, you're like, holy crap. They just confirmed exactly what we were talking about. People must have just gone crazy. Which is, uh, well, and that's what we see on the internet today. Sorry, can we just go back for a second? So, So what they're, the people who went crazy, they thought that he was talking about an organization that is trying to guide the world population into one sort of common government. That's right. That's And that is what the Illuminati would have been defined as right the illuminati okay. is uh, a group of the global elite super rich uh well-educated of people that think they know what the what the human race should be up to i see and so they think they know you know the idea is that they know better than individuals uh, okay and you know people who have used the term new world order like to some people it wasn't a bad thing the writer hg wells if you've read the time machine or you read um, <clears throat> War of the Worlds. I mean, H.G. Wells talks about a new world order being something good. He was a socialist that believed in a planned economy and things like that. And um, he used the term not as a negative thing, but as a positive thing. But also, that's ex- <laughs> I mean, a worldwide socialist government is exactly what people who are opposed to the Illuminati and the new world order don't want to see happen. Yes, right. And, you know, and, and they say now that the, the Illuminati, they meet at this conference of a, a group called the Bilderberg Group is mm. a meeting that happens every year. It's an, it's an annual 
private conference of approximately 150 political leaders from industry, finance, academia, uh, all over the world. And the original conference was held at this Hotel de Bilderberg in the Netherlands in 1954. But, um, you know, now when they have these Bilderberg conferences, people think of it as, uh, you know, this is where the Illuminati meet to decide where they, where they want to take the human race. And, uh, it's, if you ever listen to Alex Jones, prisonplanet.com or infowars.com, He's the guy, he's always trying to break into the Bilderberg conference and, you know, expose the truth out of it and everything. And he's a very uh, fun to listen to um, a talk show host out of Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. Oh, cool. it's funny. So, Maybe we'll see him when we're down there. I hope so. Today, but, I so. you know, I, I thought it was great. Um, I think I was right next to one of Alex Jones's biggest fans when I parked at the co-op today. I was at the really? Willie Street Co-op West getting my groceries, my organic bananas. And, um, very healthy of you. And so I parked next to a guy and he's got an infowars.com bumper sticker and a bumper sticker that says fluoride. There's poison in our water. Oh man. <laughs> and that's one of the things, you know, that's a disturbing thought. Well, you know, the idea that, um, the water that we're, you know, given and then vaccinations and everything are part of the, the, the government conspiracy to control our minds well, that's exactly what the Illuminati and the Bilderberg Group and everybody would do because they are trying to control the human race uh, to, to get it towards what their, uh, their plans are. You know, one of the things is the euro. And so the euro, one currency then, used over most of Europe. And a lot of people think that they're trying to make the Amero, which is one currency throughout North America, and that's the first step. Towards, oh, wow. towards that one world government is to have one currency used in Canada and the United States and, and Mexico. That would be so convenient. You wouldn't have to exchange cash every time you, right. and you <laughs> cross a border. And you wouldn't be burned with that 2%, you know, like that yeah, international bank fee. fee. Right. And it's always mm. a screw job. And then, the, well, the thing is about uh, you know, those kind of uh, rates and exchange rates and everything is that they can change. You know, uh, when you were just in France, Wendy, you know, like, how yes. was the how was the euro when you were in France? Um, oh gosh. That was in September. Um not not awesome, but it wasn't the worst that it's been, I guess. I was in Europe when it was the worst that it's been. Oh dear. Where the euro was like one point seven five American dollar. No, no, it wasn't anything like that when I was there. It was maybe like one point two or something. Oh like man. So, 1.3 maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so but the thing is like Less. those exchange rates can screw you and how much you're paying for stuff. You're like five euros for a Heineken. Get me out of here. It is. It's stressful too when you're when you're shopping and stuff and you're trying to do all the math in your head and you're like, okay, how much is that really? Right. So I understand that I don't want to be controlled by a one world government either. But I tell you, I don't know if I want to put up with these exchange rates. And when I was in, <laughs> when I was in England, it was like two pounds for a dollar. You know. Well, it's not just the exchange rate too, but it's like every transaction, the bank gets their little fee and their little cut of like, ooh, I'm. I'm changing your currency for you it's like oh come on yeah no no i um that my credit cards now are all have no international fee on it Yay. so that's that's pretty sweet that's the barkley arrival card everybody this <laughs> this podcast brought to you by it's not no. barclays no it's not no it's not <laughs> all right but anyway so that these are all the open you know these are all the opening shots into the one world government you know the league of nations then the united nations then the euro and maybe the amero and all of these things are just part of 
getting the you know getting the human race under one kind of leadership and and that's what okay. these people are opposed to that's the illuminati yeah. yeah okay you know and they're steering it away from what a lot of americans would consider the things that make them american number 1 their right to be anonymous their right to be free their right to be um just their right not to not to live free of government intrusion that's what they're privacy right basically yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway um but we should start talking about the way that uh the illuminati are putting in our pop music the way they're yeah. in yeah 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 okay <laughs> now you're talking because that well that's the thing like like they're trying to brainwash us through our our what we're listening yeah, to it's mani- that's that people say it's <laughs> manipulation okay. and um and they're using the pop music that we listen to and they're putting occult symbolism in that to kind of get the messages of the illuminati forward weird you know and, and the, the first way they do that is through the all-seeing eye Dun, dun. And if you've seen National Treasure, do you ever see National Treasure with Nicolas Cage? Like, no. okay, that they, the the symbolism on the dollar bill. Okay, so I don't I don't have any dollar bills. Um, I wish it did. Dollar, dollar, dollar bill. I don't have any dollar bills on me, but I'm looking at one on the internet. Okay, but sure. You look at good. your dollar bill, and you were just saying this before to me. Like, it seems okay. The eagle, that's one thing. George Washington, okay, he was a founder of the country. That's another thing. Why is there a pyramid with a giant <laughs> eye on top? That is a little interesting. Okay. Isn't it? Curious. The, the all-seeing eye, the eye of providence. Um, it's, you know, an eye surrounded by rays of light, usually enclosed by a triangle. Sometimes yeah. interpreted as representing the eye of God watching over humankind. Divine hmm. prominence. Okay. And um, a lot of religions have used that kind of eye in, in their symbolism. Um, the eye of Horus from Egyptian mythology is the first big one that we probably all know about. So they were using that on the dollar bill to represent that because, Hey, the whole in God, we trust thing we talked about with the Soviet union is not in heaven. God, we trust it. And we do. And divine providence is kind of baked into the early part of the United States. You know, it's, why we have, uh, you know, sure. our God given right. Uh, because of the group of people who founded the country and that was their belief. And- right. They put it into everything. Right. And so we are, you know, endowed by our creator with unalienable rights. That's the kind of thing. And, but the thing is, the eye of providence is also associated with the Freemasons. You know, it's part of their right. icon- iconography of the Freemasons since the um, late 18th century. And, you know, some guy was working on a, a Freemasons publication, and he's got the eye of providence just sitting there looking at you as a reminder that, the, you know, the Masons are going to be observed by God. And that kind of symbolism and the eye of Horus and the occult and everything, well, that's what people are saying they see in music videos. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of Lady mm, what? I'm looking at a picture of Lady Gaga here from one of her performances on Good Morning America. Okay. And she's got like an AOK symbol over her right eye. You know, okay. and people are saying, Well, that's Lady Gaga looking at us with the, <laughs> okay. the all eye of Horus. Sure. And, uh, you know, people connect that symbology um, with the, the third eye, you know, that they say that we have. I'm going to start doing that on stage. Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> and and I, I'm sure you've heard about the third eye, right? That we have this. Yes, of course. Eye inside of us with a, with a spiritual purpose. Right. Yeah. Um, when you meditate, you focus on that and that's what you're supposed to, you know, focus on sending the good, the good thoughts and things through the third eye. Right. Well. 
um, that's part of that occult symbolism because, you know, that third eye and that's that non-Christian symbolism of it is that people associate that with the Illuminati. And so Lady Gaga doing that and, um, you know, there is the Dark Horse video for Katy Perry. And, you know, Katy Perry's got the, she's actually in the video, got the eye of Horus in front of her face. Right. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so that, you know, that kind of thing, it's, there's all this occult um, symbolism in all of these videos. And it's the Illuminati using pop music to make it okay. You know, to, to infiltrate. Yeah. And, you know, even when you're looking at uh, some of these uh, great uh, websites dedicated to this, you know, one of my favorites is 33 signs that the Illuminati is real <laughs> off everybody's favorite clickbait this site is, BuzzFeed. I was going to say, this is not, this cannot be real. Well, the first, the first, the first handful of them, I'm like, okay, yeah. And then you get like, as it goes on, it gets goofier and goofier. And, and then you're like, okay, this is a parody. This, this cannot be real. But anyway, sorry. Right. Go ahead. Well, there, I mean, they connect the bell in the top bell symbol. <laughs> that one makes me laugh. With the eye of Horus. <laughs> I mean, it, it, okay, if you, you go online, go to the, the show notes, othersidepodcast.com slash 29. We'll have a link there. But I mean, the the inner part of the Taco Bell bell really actually it does look like an evil eye. It, it looks like, you know, it looks like a, 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 an eye of a hawk or something. You know? <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> I don't know. That's the all, the all-seeing eye is at Taco Bell. So when you're getting, you know, when you're getting your munchies on or whatever at two thirty in the morning, <laughs> the um, cheap, cheap food, you are serving the Illuminati. You know, okay. So like in Lady Gaga's <sighs> bad romance video, uh, another mm -hmm. thing they show her that she, she's really in this. Like, yeah, well, she she uses so much symbolism, and she was, you know, probably the most identifiable pop star of the past decade. Yeah. And since she's always doing crazy stuff, you know, she's obviously somebody they're going to focus on. And she's got a thing like in the Bad Romance video, she's holding a V up to her eye and like looking through it like it's a, like it's a triangle, like it's the triangle on top of okay. the dollar bill. Okay. Um, so go ahead. It's starting to sound like these signs are, are found everywhere. I mean, perhaps with a bit of a stretch of the imagination, maybe. Yeah. I mean, everything that the cover of the Dynasty by Jay-Z you know, they show him making a triangle sign, like the, the outside of the okay. eye with his hands. And the, uh, of course, kiss. You know, Paul Stanley's got a big eye, a, a big star around his eye. And kiss, people used to say, stands for knights in Satan's service. And all, yeah, that was, you know, that was part of the thing. You know, if they're weird, they're hard rock, they're occult symbolism, and nobody saw their faces. They just performed with um, masks on and everything. So, you know, <laughs> the Knights in Satan service, just all they really want to do is rock and roll all day and party every night. Right. You know, that's kind of what I figured. I mean, exactly. I, I never I never thought too much that Kiss was actually anything more than about money. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, all these different kind of symbolism and the Freemasons and stuff, just just in our regular pop culture, you know, they even get down to uh, Nicki Minaj's cleavage. And how? Oh, come on, see that's where this is not. This is not real, right? Obvi obviously, this is a joke. This is. I mean, I <laughs> well, we got Madonna. So Madonna did an interview with Rolling Stone. Madonna does an interview with, with Rolling Stone, and she talks about a song called "The Illuminati" okay. on her album "Rebel Heart." Okay, well, that's yeah, that's not subtle. And 
Uh, she says, people often accuse me of being a member of the Illuminati, and I think in today's pop culture, the Illuminati is perceived as a group of powerful, successful people who are working behind the scenes to control the universe. Not people with consciousness, not people who are enlightened. So people were accusing me of being a member of the Illuminati, and I kept going, wait. So first, I had to figure out what that meant. And she says she knows who the real Illuminati are and where the world, word comes from. And that it's a group of scientists, artists, philosophers, and writers who came about during the Age of Enlightenment to <clears throat> illuminate the world, illuminate people's consciousness, and, and things like that. And so, and that's what her song is about then? Yes, or, that's what she says okay. her song is about. So, Okay, I gotta listen to that. I haven't heard that particular one yet. You know, so she said we had people like Shakespeare and Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and Isaac Newton and all of these, Renaissance men. And all of these great minds and great thinkers, they were called the Illuminati, which... That's not true because they all existed well before the Illuminati, and they, you know, that's <laughs> nothing to do with Isaac Newton. Well, maybe she's grouping the the mindset of you know a change in thinking and that type of thing of the, of the Enlightenment. Yeah. No, I I understand that, but it's just so you know. And, well, but people were also saying Katy Perry's halftime show. Remember that? Remember? Did you watch Katy Perry's? Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of Left Shark. <laughs> yeah, the Left Shark. I love that guy. Yeah, and I, I, I did think her halftime show was something else. It, no, was, I'm not, it was fun. I'm not the world's biggest Katy Perry fan, except for Hot and Cold. I love that song, Hot and Cold. Just a, I like Katy. I'm a fan of her, I'll admit it. Okay. I confess. You heard it right here. Wendy. It's, it's recorded for the rest of Wendy <laughs> likes Katy Perry. I'm time. tweeting that as soon as this is over. That oh, busted. I'm so busted. Yeah. But um, no, the I, halftime show is the only reason I watch the Super Bowl. Okay. Sports ball. Right. I mean, the Packers weren't in it, so I couldn't care. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, well, the uh, quarterback of the um, Seattle Seahawks was the Wisconsin Badgers quarterback. So I guess. Yes, I know. He's awesome, too. Russell Wilson, yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I didn't know who Russell Wilson was, to tell you the truth. I was at some kind of, uh, I was at a social media seminar in September, and I do some kind of thing talking about. Aaron Rodgers, who was the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers for State Farm Insurance, and the American Family social media team was there. And I said, sorry, guys, I have to talk about State Farm. And somebody goes, well, why don't you talk about Russell Wilson and the American Family ads? And I go, Russell who? And I almost got... Oh, man. Yeah, right. The dumb... I almost got food. <laughs> In Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm like, what? And everybody's like, wow. Oops. I'm like, I know who Russell Crowe is, thinking I'm funny. <laughs> but I'm really just a jack. I know who Russell Crowe is and I know who Woodrow Wilson is. I, I think I said, is that I think I said, I know who Russell Crowe is oh and gosh. I know who Luke Wilson is. <laughs> wow. What a jerk. That's awesome. What a, everybody, okay. I'm surprised they just end. They're like, okay, this seminar is done. It's like Showtime at the Apollo. The guy comes out and scoops you off the stage. <laughs> right. With, He's done. With the hook, with the hook. He takes me and gives me the hook. Right. So, um, no, but Katy Perry's halftime show, they just talk about all the, the crazy, you know, the symbolism in that and that she had a dress that was satanic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like in her song Dark Horse and stuff, she's using that Egyptian imagery and everything and focus on bringing light to the world's biggest satanic ritual masquerading as a big sporting event. And there's a blog called The Vigilant Christian. Oh, come on. And they're looking at how Katie was this year's chosen puppet who wore a Baphomet. Baphomet is um, one of Satan's demons, like one of his oh. lieutenants. Okay. Wore a Baphomet dress in the middle of the event. And it, it just 
little things like they're just looking for all that kind of occult symbolism and everything. Yeah, again, I mean, when you use your imagination, you can find any kind of symbolism or meaning in anything, really. Right. Well, people use that with, uh, you know, the rock fist, the devil horns, you know. Oh, yeah, right. Right. We talked about that at one point, too, like the origin of that and everything. But yeah. And and so, you know, and one website has a picture of all these world leaders doing the devil horns, which, you know, the rock fist. And I'm like, that's (laughs) That's so awesome. Everybody from um, uh, Silvio Berlusconi, George Bush, of course, he's always featured heavily in every conspiracy theory because his dad was president. He was president. Also, he was a member of, you know, the Skull and Bones Society at Yale. Right. And, uh, you know, it even has Sarah Palin giving, like, throwing up the rock fist and stuff. And yeah. If you think the Illuminati has Sarah Palin in it, then I, I can't, I can't help you. You know. Um, but all, you know, all this different kind of symbolism that people say is in pop music. And you know, if you can do a Google, you can do a Google search for Illuminati pop music anytime, and you will find every single thing about it. But there's a lot. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff on the Illuminati, but that's just kind of the primer. If you were wondering what it was. Um, and what the people are talking about, whether it's going to be Jay-Z and Beyonce or Madonna or Lady Gaga or whatever, and their uh, participation in the New World Order and the Illuminati, uh, I hope that helped clear some of that up for you. That was fun. And, and everybody can go um, hit up the show notes and that'll start you on your little excursion into the... <laughs> The link maze of wonder. Yeah, and that is the internet. And I want to in, in the future. I want to do episodes that focus on like one particular aspect of the occult symbolism okay. they use. And so this is kind of just the primer. And we'll definitely be talking more about the new world order and conspiracy theories. I mean, Pat Robertson even wrote one of his. The titles of one of his books is the New World Order. And if you think about the kind of influence that Pat Robertson wields uh, as the owner of the Christian Broadcasting Network and how many millions of people watch his stuff. That's a pretty major influence on American society. I'll say. Yeah, so, indeed. Anyway, uh, the Illuminati is watching you. They are listening to this podcast. And um, make just I, what I would do probably is don't drink the water because it's got fluoride. <laughs> and, right. and you, you, you want to make sure that uh, you want to make sure that your mind isn't controlled from the water you drink. But that indeed we do. But if you don't drink water with fluoride, I just recommend you floss. That's just better. <laughs> Please. You better floss, son. <laughs> okay, well let's Alrighty. let's get to the music portion. This is a let's this do is it. song inspired by conspiracy theories and the Illuminati. This track is called Byzantium.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side.